Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Got a message here from Gator, one of my buddies I got to know when I was working in Lloyd Minster. He says, who was the Edmonton Sled Dogs' first head coach? I said, I don't know. Even Google didn't have an answer. He said it was the head coach of the Nate Ooks at the time, Don DePoe. Edmonton Sled Dogs of Roller Hockey International as our fun topic tonight. Your favorite, now defunct or moved to another city, Edmonton-based minor pro sports team. This is the list we have. So my list and then three teams that got added onto it. Uh, well, I guess I added one myself. Drillers, Skyhawks, Trappers, Cracker Cats, Capitals, FC Edmonton, Energy, Chill, Rush, Aviators, Brickman, Roadrunners, Chimos, Sled Dogs, and Eagles. That's pretty good. We have the Memorial Cup first game starting in half an hour. We'll keep you updated on that one. The Blue Jays playing tonight as well against the Twins. It has been a tough go for the Blue Jays lately. And uh, they are scoreless with the Twins in the bottom of the second inning. Brendan Escott is joining me here in studio. This is how Dave described you on our lineup. <laughs> Host, Edmonton Elks football on 630 Chet. Oilers now producer. Oilers radio network contributor. And sports anchor, Chelsea on Chet. Do you do all those jobs? And more. Well, I didn't even well, know. Well, you know what? Actually, that kind of sums it up. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have been able to go that detailed on what you do here. I just like he's a guy that puts up with me. Yeah, when you're that's, in the building, I mean, most of us tolerate you. Some that's, of us more so I'm, than others. I'm it, highly tolerable. That's how I'm our, uh, described. Our desks face one another, so well, it's, it's a, either be a, civil or, I don't know, it would be like a game of Battlefield, the way it's set up with well, a big partition. We could play Battlefield. There's a cubicle wall in between us, <laughs> but we can hear each other quite easily. That's true. If one of us isn't on the thing, on, on, on a headset uh, on our computers. You're quite interested in the Memorial Cup. My hometown, Kamloops Blazers, the host city. And uh, you know what? I'll be here in town in Edmonton calling uh, that football, not calling it, but previewing and then recapping that football game tomorrow uh, instead. But uh, it's, it's so much pride even just seeing the old building there, which they've done clearly a ton of renovations to the Sandman Center and Kamloops and downtown. And um, yeah, I guess even having been away six years, it uh, almost brings a tear to my eye, Reed, to see uh, all the effort that's gone into showcasing my hometown and some pretty darn good hockey that we'll see as well. Well, you won't miss a Kamloops game tomorrow. You'll miss Peter Burrow in Seattle. That's right. So you're okay for tomorrow. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to haul butt home after I leave here and see if I can't catch puck drop for Kamloops this one. Kamloops and Quebec. Patrick Waugh's Quebec Ramparts. Yes. Is he going to the NHL? What's going on? <laughs> That's what the word on the street is. You know, the street that I hang out on that I hear these types of things. <laughs> um, it, it, it sounds like the New York Rangers may have interest. I mean, if you're going to be Patrick Waugh and make the jump to the NHL, why not Broadway? I mean, you're going to do it. You do it big, right? So, um, now, to the, the fact that he's got the temperament to even have gotten this far coaching a junior hockey team actually quite surprises me. So, What if Patrick Waugh's great games was uh, in 1986 when he was a rookie uh, game three of the Wales Conference Final I think the shots were 11-2 in overtime for the Rangers and Waugh was spectacular I want to say Mike McPhee scored the game winning goal I, I can't remember for sure 
but that was when Wah burst onto the scene. See, you don't remember who scored the game winner, but you do remember the performance of the goaltender. I think that's yeah. telling. Well, he was incredible. I mean, he won the Conn Smythe, and then he won the Conn Smythe for the Canadians in 93 when they went 10-1 and in overtime. They played 20 games. That, that's, that, to me, that's still one of the craziest stats of all time. Of course, it's the last year Canadian team won the Cup still. Uh, the Canadians played 20 playoff games. 11 of them went to overtime. They won 10 of those. They lost their first overtime game to the Nordiques. Uh, so they won 20 games and won the Stanley Cup. The Toronto Maple Leafs played 21 games, did not make the Stanley Cup final. Because the Canadians won a series in six. The Canadians had a six game, a four game, a five game, and a five game. And the Leafs had three sevens and got eliminated to, by Los Angeles. All of this happened the year before I was born. All oh, of really? that. Yeah. Well, stuff happened before I was born, too. Well, I'm just putting like it into context for the fact that I've lived an entire life having not experienced a Canadian NHL Stanley Cup champion. And that I won't is turn, pretty crazy. I won't turn this into, entire thing into that, but I'm about to turn 30 here and, uh, you know, tick-tock. Tick-tock. But I would suggest that Edmonton has a pretty good chance. Toronto, we'll see what happens this offseason. I don't yeah. know. But they've got some pieces in place. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Memorial Cup. So did you go to a lot of Blazers games? Absolutely. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a thing to do. I mean, you got to remember Kamloops only recently became a city of around 95,000 people or so. It was, you know, 85,000 when I was growing up. So there's not much else to do but go to a junior hockey game. And when you grow up as a little hockey player, it's, it's the place to be. It's the place to see kids from other schools. And unfortunately, for much of my tenure, they weren't particularly strong. I did get to see Devin Dubnik in his junior years. Um, J.C. LaPon had a stint on the Canadian junior team, uh, but it's really only recently that the program has come back around like gangbusters to the point where you've you've got some draft-eligible talent really all through it, like Logan Stankoven, for example, who uh, looks like he's ready to make the jump to pro with Dallas next year. Uh, is Seattle the favorite? I would suggest so. I mean, Peter, to me, Peterborough, I mean, I know they won the O, but they were a lower seed in the O, so you wonder if that catches up to them at some point. Perhaps. Um, you know, but yeah, that momentum can carry you through as well. I just look at all the trades that uh, Seattle made, sort of assuming the risk that said incredible NHL prospect wouldn't come back down, and then they right. all came back down. So here's Dylan Gunther, here's Brad Lambert, here's Luke Prokop, and a team that was good has turned into absolutely fantastic if not historic so I suspect that going in they'd be the betting favorite if you listen to Oilers now on these airwaves you've heard uh, Bob Stoffer project that this final of this tournament should be an all Western League final with Kamloops making it there as well yeah which would be pretty fun uh, okay so we're talking about some minor pro sports teams in Edmonton that have come and gone. Mm -hmm. so you mentioned Kamloops is not that big, under 100,000. Right. But was there anything, some rookie league baseball? I mean, do they, have a, do they have a team in the league the Riverhawks are in or some sort of yeah. semi-pro soccer or something like that? Well, they have the North Paws, which have only been founded since I've been living in Edmonton okay. within the last few years. So that's a pretty new thing. Uh, they have this, the university there, right? So university teams, that's kind of where the sports came from, if not for the Blazers, who have been a staple there for 40-some-odd years. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it other than you know, I think... I think most things that come to Kamloops end up staying, uh, and most things that start out in Kamloops end up leaving. They got any malls there? 
They have a few. One of them's worth going to, Aberdeen Mall. <laughs> Depends what the, you're looking for. I'm looking up the West Coast League now because that's the league with the Portland Pickles. Yeah. Right, that the Riverhawks play in? Yeah. There, not only are there some elite names of teams in that league, but some elite baseball players have come out of the West Coast League. So I, I know the Riverhawks and Kamloops actually open up their seasons against one another uh, sometime the third week of June or so. And uh, I will definitely be down at Remax Field to check that one out. They got some good, like the uh, the, the the North Paws. That's a cool name. Yep. The the uh, Yakima Valley Pippins, the Wenatchee Apple Sox, the Walla Walla Sweets. <laughs> The Springfield Drifters, they don't really, they just kind of yeah, line they, up however they want. there, whatever. <laughs> but some great names of cities in, uh, in, in Washington, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you're doing Elks tomorrow. Yeah, I did a lot of prep on Elks today, so oh, if you want to know anything, I could, I could tell you. That's, that's one of your jobs, yeah. according to the lineup here. All right, so what's Cornelius is going to play quarterback? For That's how, correct. how long do you think? Well, it could be a series. It could be a quarter. It, it depends on the trajectory of the game. To me, I, they're looking to get as much um, chemistry with this wide receiver core as possible. It's the first offseason for Cornelius where he's been able to prepare his body and his mind as though he was going to come in as the starter. And the tools that they have implemented around him, I, I almost sound like I'm, I'm gassing this team up. I feel silly. But in reality, a receiver core that has four guys that could break off 1,000-yard receiving seasons realistically. When you think of Eugene Lewis, who had 1,300 last year, Stephen Dunbar Jr. comes over off 1,000 yards with Hamilton. Kyron Moore has the speed to do it 100%. I'm not sure they're going to play him in a manner where he could reach that. And Dylan Mitchell had 637 receiving yards in eight games last Last year he was on pace for a thousand yards too so you know that factored in with a running game that could function with kevin brown he was on pace for a thousand ground yards last year and there's just there's a lot of uh there's a lot of weaponry for him to go to so i think that they, they don't have to rely too much on his arm uh, they don't have to force errors they've got different guys that can take over and and I, i'm very excited to watch this play out tomorrow afternoon all right, so so Brown's the running back. Yeah. He's back. Is, is Shannon Brooks in the mix, do you think? Yeah, well, they were looking for somebody to establish themselves behind Kevin Brown. Is there a thunder to the lightning? Is is there sort of a hammer to this mix? And uh, and Shannon Brooks was fantastic against Calgary. He had 11 carries for 72 yards against the Stamps. He was difficult to take down in between the tackles. And Kevin Brown's somebody that is not only effective in the passing game out in space, but he's good off tackle. So if you've got somebody who can run it right up the gut and, and, and sort of slam it into the mouth of the defense like Brooks uh, proved that at least through one game that he could do. Uh, that bodes well. So we'll get another look at him. He starts, uh, well, it'll be Brown starting, but Brooks dresses once more out of the uh, University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. That's another good name. All right, so I'm just back to quarterback, and I spend a lot of time on the quarterbacks because it's important. So Trey Ford is going to play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, tomorrow. 
Is there, is there how many quarterbacks are dressing, and who else could be? Because it's so weird how they handle the quarterback style. Like the, like you said, he might not even play a half, Cornelius. Yeah, exactly. How many reps are do they want him to get in with guys? Like as soon as as the first team comes out, as soon as as Eugene Lewis and Dylan Brooks aren't the guys getting thrown to, I suspect Cornelius will come out of the game. So maybe it's only a couple okay. or three series in that sense. They've got four quarterbacks dressed. You mentioned Trey Ford, Kyle Oxley is going to dress as well he got the start last weekend or last week i should say monday and uh, khalil tate who was uh, taking some reps uh, a real mobile threat no jarrett daggy uh, despite an excellent performance 137 air yards for daggy but uh, he was nicked up in that uh, win or lost pardon me to calgary so he played so, like they won <laughs> so what what position is kai loxley going to be They've locked him in at quarterback this year. They, they've He's done, not doing anything at receiver. That's correct. They're allowing him to focus. So he will be, in my opinion, the short yardage guy. He had six or seven rushing touchdowns right. last year in the short game. So that, that'll be uh, an area of focus for him for sure. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's interesting to me. Okay. So uh, that's the offensive side of the ball. On defense, I know you and I were talking just in the sports department a few days ago. It could, it could have some good linebackers. And they got a couple of new DB, one especially a DB that should be really good. Purifoy? Yeah, Lucius Purifoy. He was, uh, I think, in the top 25. I was looking earlier today in tackles last year, uh, total tackles, uh, up over 65 of them. But this is a player who was an all-star last year. The only reason he wasn't re-signed by BC is because he was due a roster bonus back in the winter that BC wanted to save money to allocate all they could toward Nathan Rourke for. So here comes oh, okay. Lucius Purifoy familiarity with Chris Jones from their time together in Saskatchewan he's uh, he's an impact player and this is somebody that I think could slot in uh, at halfback and, and be uh, you know a real difference maker in an area that I think needed the most of a difference made after last season they scored the fewest points in the league read and they allowed the most against that's right. a pretty tough uh, uh, differential uh, yeah, and the secondary gave up too many big plays, for what I remember. Exactly. So they, they returned Scott Hutter to play a free safety, the Canadian. Uh, that's, in all likelihood, who's going to end up starting. He was good last year, uh, probably better than he had to be because he was getting called upon so often. But then you push Purifoy to a spot that, say, Deron Carter would have been playing last year, and you expect a big uptick in performance there. Okay, and who's kicking? Is it is this the British guy? Yeah, it's still uh, Dean Faithful, who uh, he he missed a kick last week of about 35 yards. But don't let that fool you, because in the lead up to that kick, uh, the the set man, who I think was uh, was Hutchins in the play, Greg Hutchins, uh, he put the ball down or he he rather he made his hands like he was going to put the ball down he looked and he was a yard in the wrong spot so we had to shimmy himself over all oh, while geez. the play clock is ticking right. down remember so uh it wasn't a proper fluid sequence and faithful ends up pulling the kick left but this dude has an absolute cannon of a leg you're not worried about the power at all he is blasting everything from the, i've heard of a 70 yarder going through at practice i know that's kind of the goal for him in a pro game that he's oh, talked geez. about all throughout his that's career insane. 
But remember, he's, he's 36 years old, so the window to accomplish all of this might yeah, be very, is, very small. And he's from England. <laughs> he is from England. And he came over here to play soccer? He, or he played soccer. Our football or their football? He played European football, as even as an older player at Florida Tech. Okay, and then he was going to play football at Florida Tech until their program folded after he had committed. So here uh-huh. comes Colorado State Pueblo. So he ends up kicking for, I think, two seasons at uh, at this Division II school. But comes to an open trial, blasts a 60-plus yard field goal, and you're turning Chris Jones' head, obviously. Well, Chris Jones is known for finding players. So if at the halfway point of the season, Faithful is still the kicker and he's still turning heads, that's going to be another feather of the cap for Chris Jones. Like that's because when they drafted him, I, second I, I, overall, I was like, "Are you joking? Like, is this what are you talking about?" He's like, "No." You were like, "No, this is a real guy. Like, he might be able to kick." So, all right. Yeah, second overall in the global draft, which has proven to be an absolute crapshoot. And uh, you need to dress a global player. Kicker's a pretty good spot to have that. It makes sense. Uh, we'll see if he can keep it between the wickets. Because again, the distance is not an right. issue. Okay. I know you got to get home to watch the uh, the Blazers here. 12.30 tomorrow you're on? Yeah, 12.30, the countdown show. We're going to hear from Evan Dom from the Elks. We'll get a kind of an update on uh, everything you need to know heading into the regular season opener on June 11th. But, uh, yeah, it'll be a good one tomorrow. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right. Great to have Brendan Escott stopping by. He has the uh, countdown to kickoff at 1230 tomorrow. The game is at 2. Dave Campbell, Morley Scott, Blake Dermott, David Bowles, also part of our broadcast crew. 2 o'clock game, Elks home to the Blue Bombers in the preseason 7804960063 we were having some fun tonight mm-hmm. the now uh, the the no longer with us Edmonton minor pro sports team that you miss the most and or you might have a story about what do we have coming in Kellen mm-hmm. uh Toad and Cowtown Bob both mentioning the same team here in Cowtown Bob this is a little bit more lengthy I'll get into it after naming the team uh Edmonton Flyers the Edmonton Flyers hockey team and uh, Cowtown Bob uh, also adds that the Edmonton Flyers were a pro hockey team in the 50s and 60s, affiliated with the Red Wings. And he also misses the Edmonton Monarchs. They were a senior hockey team who played in the Western Canada League with such teams as the Calgary Stampeders and Saskatoon Quakers. They played in the Edmonton Gardens, but it all ended when the Alberta Oilers came to town in the WHA. They played good hockey with a few players that had played in the NHL. It was in the 60s and early 70s. I, I was hoping we'd get some uh, teams going back like that because the furthest back I went was the uh, the Drillers to mm-hmm. 1979. Uh, I obviously know of the Edmonton Flyers, don't have as much detail on them as Cowtown Bob does, so that's pretty cool. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, Yoga Joe texting. Yoga in. Joe. Yoga wow, Joe. What a name. That's awesome. <laughs> He's texting it and saying, when affiliated to the Angels, Reggie Jackson was in Edmonton for a game. Yes. 
Yeah, a lot of guys would have come through, but, did he, but is he played for the Trappers for a game then? Did he? Must have been a, a rehab from an injury or something. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting, for sure. And one more from Coach Gator here. It says the Trappers were the best going to the old park and rela relaxing and watching the old, or, sorry, the odd doubleheader. That's from Coach Gator. All right, appreciate that. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have more of those as we move along tonight. Mooner might have some memories as well, uh, being a guy who grew up in Edmonton. He's coming up next. We'll talk some Oilers and Memorial Cup with him as well. Hope you're having a great Friday night. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat.